Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, we just had a fun segment there talking yeah, about uh, airlines and this new airline flying out of Vancouver, Porter Airlines. Interesting. Let's talk to the vice president there. We also took free free beer and wine on the flight. I don't know. Maybe so, that, maybe that's a, a deal maker for uh, some people. I'm not sure. It's like a nice little introductory offer. We'll see where they're at a year from now. But two ninety nine <laughs> to Toronto uh, with free with freebies like that. You know, sign me on. I've had some. I go back to Toronto all the time, and some of the some of the narrow planes, three seats, and no leg room. Not a comfortable flying experience. Yeah. What's the best flight you ever had? I say the best, best flight. Two flights. One was uh, Air Canada to London. Okay. Nobody on the plane. Oh. Uh, there were six of us. Oh. In a seven forty seven thirty seven, I think seven forty seven. So I had basically had the whole seats to yourselves. Everybody had a, basically a couch to nap. <laughs> but a great one was Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong. You know, great food, great service, huge leg room. Had a little bar up in the the old seven forty seven, so that was a long flight. But boy, well, that I'll was tell a, you, that was luxury. My favorite flight, best flight I ever had, was also Cathay Pacific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to, I was flying Mumbai to Vancouver, coming back from assignment with the Vancouver Province newspaper when I worked there. And man, that was a nice flight. It, it was a long flight, but just beautiful plane, awesome sort of in seat entertainment system, and on demand food. So like they had this menu, you could order off this menu at any time, anything you wanted, all free, of course. So you got hungry at any time during this long, long flight. You just ring for the flight attendant. I'll have something to eat, and they bring you the food right away. Worst flight, pretty nice. Worst flight, China Air from Hong Kong to to uh, Guangzhou. Ooh, where literally the ceiling around the window started to come off. In the oh, middle no. of the flight. Oh, no. And I thought, what's what, is this going to depressurize and suck us all out of this thing? <laughs> it's not very We got through it, though. We got through it. But, boy, oh, boy, that was a rickety plane. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see an but airline. See, see Porter, I mean, we, we hear more stories, and Claire, you get Claire Newell on. She, yeah. she knows it all. But we hear more stories, particularly over the Christmas break, horrendous stories of travel problems with airlines. Oh, it's been brutal. Sunwing air. You know, you got these uh, these flights uh, closing, just abandoning passengers, giving up on on entire airports. Yeah. So it's refreshing to see an airline come along and, At least and try to establish uh, a presence. Yeah, we'll see, you know, what we'll maybe what people think. But anytime you got more consumer choice, it's not a bad thing. You just got not another, another two ninety nine to Toronto, free beer and wine, I'll take it. Okay. That sounds interesting. All right. Let me ask you about the... Uh, the construction on the Broadway corridor for the subway there. Mm-hmm. And the really impact. reminiscent of the Canada Line controversy. It, it's very similar, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, because and the Canada Line, very similar to Canada Line, those businesses. I remember interviewing a lot of those businesses at the time, getting absolutely hammered. That's how Gregor Robertson there. made his name uh, yeah. before he became, he was a uh, MLA, rookie MLA. And I remember talking to him and he says, what do you think of this, this Canada Line construction around Cambia, these businesses? And he sort of championed their cause um, and made a name for himself. By, before by, he was mayor, of before, course. Before he was mayor. He quit yeah. being MLA, ran for mayor. That's how he sort of established his reputation. So we're seeing the same sort of controversy, entirely predictable, 
um, with uh, the Broadway subway uh, line, and it's it's going to continue. Let's play a clip here. This is uh, Global News reporter Krista Dow, and you're going to hear the head of the uh, Mount Pleasant Business Improvement Association here, too. Have a listen. The busy Broadway corridor blanketed by construction, streets fenced off, pedestrian walkways closed, and parking is almost non-existent. I've had businesses leave uh, just because you can't, you can't get to them. There's a, a level of frustration. We're holding our collective breath um, for when this, this deck behind me is done. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to the Canby Street Canada Line construction chaos there. Well, yeah, and again, entirely predictable. Everybody yeah. can see this coming. Um, I think businesses should have realized where, where this was headed. I mean, this, these problems were foreseen. You think the province put any money on the table to compensate mm, them? They didn't no. do it for the Canby businesses. It set a very interesting precedent if they were to do that because yeah. there's going to be more transit lines being built in Metro Vancouver. Broadway Subway is not the last line that's going to be built in, over the next few decades. There's going to yeah. be other extensions as well. So it would set a precedent and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Because I mean, those can be businesses have been fighting for you. I don't think they ever got a penny in compensation. I don't think they're so. still fighting. I think. I recall one of the business owners went to court. I don't well, think so there, one business owner won in court and then it was appealed. Yeah. And then I'm not sure it was ever resolved. I don't think they got any money. Oh. I don't, I'm not sure that these businesses will get any money either. No, there's been lots of precedents of building tr- transit lines rights away you know, expropriations, and that's just what happens. Again, I I don't see the government putting any special funding in this. Yeah, like you said, the precedent. Mm -hmm. Like, I spoke to one business owner who said they're looking for uh, $50,000 each. I mean, this starts to add up when you start adding up all those businesses. People have long advocated putting a third crossing across to the North Shore, which would go through various neighborhoods on either side, and I don't think you're going to see compensation there. Yeah. The other thing is, like, I wonder what the public would think about it, because when you think about when, once that subway project is complete, maybe it's going to be good for business down the road. Well, like yeah. So you got a business near one of those stations. Yep. Well, and, you, know. you know, increasingly stations are going to be hot commodities because that's where a lot of housing is going to be located. That was in the throne speech, actually, building housing around transit hubs. Um, we see that model in other places, notably Hong Kong, where every station has a huge housing um, component attached to it, and we're going to start seeing that. So there could be a business, well. business payoff later after the project Probably, is but over. It's, the controversy is not going away. Yeah. Uh, in question period yesterday, Liberal leader Kevin Falcon here going after the government on health care waiting times. I think it's a good issue for the opposition. Let's mm-hmm. have a listen to what he had to say here. Wait times at walk-in clinics have more than doubled in the last three years, the worst in the country. And just this morning... In the member from North Vancouver Lonsdale's riding, there was a five-hour wait at the North Shore Medical Clinic, and at the other clinic at Lonsdale the 19th, it had hit capacity 10 minutes after opening. Yeah, so the Liberals have rightly flagged this as their probably dominant issue in this session. Um, we've talked before. I think they're going to weave a narrative through question period, day in and day out, that ties in health care and wait times, mental health, yeah. and public safety. Yeah. Those three things, those three issues are going to mesh on a daily basis in question period because I think uh, there's a lot of fertile ground there for the Liberals to till. Uh, interestingly, a couple of days ago, they raised the issue of involuntary care. Yeah. This is going to, this is a red hot issue. And I've talked to members of the NDP caucus who sort of agree with Falcon's position that, yeah, the public's mood has shifted away from de- deinstitutionalization to 
in voluntary care on a limited basis. And David Eby opened the door to this. He agreed with it during the leadership race. He hasn't, he's gone quiet on that issue since. So next week, the week after, now that Eby's back in the house, he's back today. Falcon's not here today, so maybe it won't come up today. But next week, I think you're going to see Falcon and Eby square off on some mental health issues, notably involuntary care. They've got a very good, effective critic there, liberals do, I think, in Eleanor Sturko, that, mm-hmm. that's uh, Surrey MLA, who was a former police officer who has seen a lot of this stuff up close when she was oh, a police officer. Oh, I would argue officer. Sturko's probably the number one dominant MLA in that caucus in mm-hmm. terms of communications. I mean, she that's what she did. She was communications yeah. as well in, in the RCMP. So she's, yeah. she has a very good speaking style. She doesn't go, she's not over the top. She's just sort of incisive and to the point. So I think she's going to be a dominant member. She already is a dominant member of that caucus. Yeah, I think she's going to score some points here against this government. You know, I spoke to Dr. Paxton Bach on the show the other day, who's an addictions doctor at Mm St. Paul's Hospital. And we talked about some of the the gaps and the wait times for people to get drug treatment. So these are people who who are asking for help. Okay, so they're addicted to drugs. They ask for treatment. And then he has to tell them, well, you've got to wait months, months for any kind of treatment. And I asked him how many people are dying from overdoses while they wait for drug treatment. He said constant, mm-hmm. constant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start questioning the government on that, you're, you're going to get the public's attention, I think. Yeah, to a point. I mean, the opioid crisis has been here for six years, and I don't think it's quite it started under the liberals, the, really. Yeah, and it, it hasn't quite latched onto the public to the degree you'd think it would, considering because yeah. again, the demographic of this of people who die is not the stereotype. It's not the downtown east side, you know, shooting up in the in the alley. It's also people of all ages, all yeah. occupations in all parts of the province uh, dying from a toxic drug supply. So the Liberals are slowly separating themselves from the NDP on some key issues tied to this. Decriminalization, they're critical of the de- decriminalization program. Uh, Kevin Falcon said he's not a fan of safe supply, safe drug supply, which is a big push from the government as well. And now you're going to see him on the issue of involuntary care for not only people with severe drug addictions, but also severe mental health challenges and tying that to the public safety issue. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898, toll free on your cell. Let's go to Malcolm on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Malcolm. Go ahead. And gentlemen, best flight ever was flying uh, back in 2003. It's going back to Toronto with my son. It was the, uh, the I call it the dead eye flight. They call it the red eye flight. And I thought somebody was trying to light a big lighter in the plane because I was looking the window, going, "What's going on?" And looking around, it was a massive, absolutely massive electrical storm down below as we got across the Rockies. But even better than that, when I looked outside, there was the Northern Lights. Oh, nice! All the oh. way across from the Rockies. Uh, to it started getting light out about uh, Manitoba. We had it, and people were going to sleep, and all of a sudden, you could, I could see all the little window shutters popping up. People going, "Let me see, let me see." It was just incredible. <laughs> That's cool. Now, when you've gotten like, like the storm below, yeah, the electrical storm below, uh, and it, when I got to, back to Toronto, I looked up on the weather network, and there was a solid red line, straight as an arrow, across from Rocky Mountain House, halfway up, uh, you know, the provinces there. One of it was red because of the electric storm, and the other was clear as a bell. Just wow. amazing. So wow. You, were you getting any uh, turbulence from the storm? No, because we were far wow. enough south of Calgary, so we yeah. could see Calgary, but we couldn't see Red Deer, and then we just saw these little pops of uh, 
flashing light. Well, that was the electrical storm. Wow, cool. And okay, then Mother Malcolm. Nature had the other one on top. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. A free light show. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I'm, flew once, and we were supposed to see the Northern Lights, and we just got hit by huge cloud cover. So nothing. Okay, we uh, just a little breaking news here. Uh, John Horgan giving a speech this afternoon in the legislature. Right? One o'clock. You want to mention that? Yeah. One o'clock. Not sure what this is. This could be his speech that he was going to deliver in the last fall session. Yeah. That time ran out on, and he wasn't able to deliver. Or, you know, is he stepping down? You know, this possibility. Who knows? Um, just got a sort of a blast from the premier's office at uh, one o'clock when the house resumes sitting after the lunch break. Uh, a little earlier than than other days because it's Thursday, so he's going to give a, a talk at uh, one o'clock. We'll right. So is. he stepped aside for David Eby as premier, but of course he's still an MLA. So has a seat. Right. So who knows whether he's going to give that up? Because um, we're still like more than a year and a half out from an election. So on paper, yes. Uh, of course, there still continues to be speculation. Eby's going to pull the plug early. I don't think he will, but you never know. Yeah. But uh, on paper, it's October twenty twenty four. Right. So if Horgan were to resign, I'm not sure he's going to, but if he were, that would trigger a by-election within six months. Okay, interesting. That, that's a safe NDP seat. Oh, yeah, no, very safe seat. In fact, uh, redistribution is going to create another seat out there. They're sort of carving part of that riding off in, yeah. because population grows so significantly out there, so there's going to be even a more, a one additional seat in the capital region out in that Langford area. Okay, something to watch for this afternoon, 1 p.m., John Horgan's speech. Paul calling from Chase, B.C. Hi, Paul. Hi. Um, first of all, thank God. I, I took time on my day to hear Baldry's beat with the two of you, but the most common sense hour ever, or half an hour, whatever. That, that being said, my favorite flight, I'm 51 years old, was when pre-9-11, when I was 5 years old, going to Hawaii, 15 years old, going, whatever, you see the cockpit. I miss when little guys could go up, little girls and guys could go up and see the cockpit. Oh, yeah. I miss <laughs> yeah. those days immensely, as far as my favorite flights ever. Thank you, Paul. You can still do that on float planes. Yeah. Harbor Air, sponsor <laughs> of this segment. You can yeah, set right. up in the Harbor Air cockpit with the pilot. Right. Uh, I've done that many times. Uh, but after 9-11, they don't open the cockpit door anymore. Not not in, yeah. but they do at Harbor Air, but not in yeah. uh, not in the big airlines. No. No, those are now safety. Uh, flying is radically different than pre-9-11 when it comes to security. Yeah. Jeff in Surrey. Hi, Jeff. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I'd like to comment. The guy said uh, good show as usual. Um, since money's not a problem, the NDP has over $5 billion. Can we not get somebody uh, to promote uh, safe drugs? They already have the places where they could use their drugs. Why is it so bad to uh, distribute drugs that are safe for them instead of allowing the drug dealers to kill them? It's It's crazy. I don't understand... Thank you, Jeff. We've got a minute left here. Safe well, I, was, I think it's a little complicated in that. I mean, how many people favor the government spending tax dollars on purchasing safe heroin, for example? So it's a little more politically fraught uh, with some some potential downside than people think. And not everyone's on the same page when it comes to And this. as you mentioned, a potential political wedge issue here between yes. the two parties, if, yep. if the Liberals and Kevin Falcon go against safe supply. Safe supply yeah. and involuntary care, I think, yeah. are going to emerge as potential wedge issues between, between these two parties come the next election. Okay, 1 p.m., that speech John from Horgan. John Horgan. Okay, we'll see what he has to say this afternoon. Thank you, Keith. All right.